Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. Now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. My name is Matt Pryfogel. I am the Connection Ministries pastor here at Revolution. So excited to be with you here today. And if I heard right, there are some of you that are actually, it's how you're actually excited to see snow this morning. Like you like this? All right, the rest of us need to be praying for them. They've, they've lost their way, right? Like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It, just, it, it didn't make me laugh. Joby's out there, Christmas light. You're looking for Christmas lights? There's like three houses that are decorated for Christmas. There's just one of them. So they're... <laughs> Uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited to be here today, and um, I want to start with this. God moves in mysterious ways, right? God moves in, in mysterious ways. That has to be in the Bible, right? That has to be somewhere in the Bible. That had to have been uh, spoken by someone, David, Solomon, Jesus, uh, one of those guys. Someone had to have said those words, God moves in mysterious ways. I mean, we've heard that for forever. I mean, it's in books, it's in songs, it's in TV shows. It's, we've heard that for so many, so many years. But the truth is, those words, God moves in mysterious ways, are found nowhere in the Bible. Um, it's actually part of a poem written by this guy named William Cowper, in 1773, check it out. This is uh, the section. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Right? It's just a small part of this uh, really cool longer poem that I, I think was made into a hymn. Um, so yeah, to put that in perspective, something that we believe, that many of us may believe were the words of God were actually Lyrics to a jam in 1773, <laughs> which, which makes you wonder, like 200 years from now, will there be people that, that will think that the words from uh, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran were in the book of Acts? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that world, okay? I'm... But anyway, we're going to talk uh, today about this idea that God is mysterious, right? God is mysterious because he is. God is absolutely uh, mysterious. I mean, think about this. This content theme of God is, when it's all said and done, will be eight weeks long. And every week we've spent 30 minutes or so just diving into one word of God, one word of his character, one word that, of one of his attributes, one word. We've also done supplemental podcasts in this theme of God is, and we still haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what or who God is. But I think along the way that we have, uh, we, we've hopefully learned some things, and, and our prayer is that hopefully those revelations have, have deepened your relationship with God. Maybe you've learned some things, and it's made your connection with God a little bit stronger. Um, 
So that, that's our prayer. So I want to start today with the words from Paul. Paul was this amazing guy in the early church, and, and he was you know, instrumental in, in getting the early church going. And, and he wrote these words in the book of Romans. And this is kind of where I want to start today. Romans 11, uh, verses 33 to 35. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. And so today we're going to talk about this idea that God is mysterious. And, and we've had those God is mysterious moments in our lives. And I think when we have those, those moments where we're not sure what God is doing, we're not sure what's going on, there's a single word that's kind of at the basis of it, and that's why, right? Why? I think, I think most of us have been in that situation where, where we ask God, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why can I not seem to get ahead. Why am I here? Why do I not know my purpose? Why? All right, now, the cool part is, is the Bible is filled with plenty of stories, plenty of characters that speak to this idea of why. Why is God letting this happen? Why am I going through this? And we're going to look at a couple of those stories today. However, I don't want to look at these stories like we normally do. Right, Because here's the thing, when we read these stories in the Bible, when we look at these characters, we kind of know what's going to happen. Right? We kind of already know what the end looks like. We kind of know what God is going to do in the lives of these people in the Bible. We kind of know what's going to go on. But I want to I look at these stories and I want to put us in the shoes of the person that's experiencing what God is doing. Because there's so many times in the Bible that I think if you were to put yourself in their situation, you would scratch your head and be like, what is happening? God, what are you, what are you doing? Um, why am I here? Why is, this, why is this going on? Why is this happening? Why are you, why are you using me for this? Um, I had my own experience like this a couple years ago. I got to be a part of this amazing ministry called Kairos. And uh, Kairos is this prison ministry um, and if you've ever heard of the Great Banquet, it's kind of like that where you do a three-day spiritual uh, weekend, but it's, it's in prison. And so for three days, I was part of a team that got to go into Miami Correctional, and we spent three days with this group of pretty hardcore dudes, right? I mean, these were guys that have done some not-so-great things. These were guys that, are, that have been in for a while, and they're going to be there for a while. But we got to go in, we got to to love on him and, and tell him about Jesus and, and all this stuff. And it's just, it's an incredible experience because when you first go in, you, you know, you're dealing with all these guys and walking in, they give you one word answers. Yeah, no, uh-huh, maybe, uh-huh. You know, they're big, they're tough. And by the end of it, man, by, by Sunday evening, everybody's crying, they're hugging, I love you, man, I love you. It's just the most incredible thing. It really is. But there was this moment when I was, when I was doing this weekend, there was this moment where I was part of the spiritual team, there was this moment where this, uh, where this guy asked for, for prayer. And so they, they came to me and said, hey, there's this guy, he needs prayer, so can you do that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So they, they take us to this separate room that's a holding cell, 
And I sit across from this guy who's a convicted drug dealer who has already been there for a while and he's going to continue to be there for a while. But he wanted prayer. He wanted prayer for his upcoming trial. Not that it would be overturned, not that it would be thrown out, not that some miracle would happen, God's, you know, whatever. He was praying because, you know, he accepted, you know, Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but he was praying for his family. He wanted prayer for the people that, that he had wronged, the people that he had hurt, the people that are going to be hurt by him being in the situation. He wanted prayer for all this. And so I'm praying with this guy, and we're laying hands on him, and we're praying, and we walk out of this holding cell, and I was like, bam, what just happened? <laughs> Why was God using me in this moment? Why, why did God look at me and say, yeah, you're the guy that's going to go pray with this dude? But that's what happened. And as, as weird as it felt, as surreal as it was for me, I was just a small part of this guy's, you know, bigger journey, big part of the bigger plan that God had for him. But that's what God wanted for me in that moment, and that's what God wanted for him in that moment. And we'll kind of talk about that more here in a few minutes. But, but I want to dive into this. I want to dive into the first story that we're going to talk about today. It's found way back in the book of Genesis chapter 37. So many of you probably know this story. Um, it's about this guy named Joseph. Not the Joseph from the birth of Jesus. That's a different dude. Uh, this is a different guy. This is Joseph, the son of Jacob. Um, in fact, this story was made into a Broadway musical called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Our local uh, junior civic theater recently performed it. It was fantastic. But may, maybe you've heard of this story before. And so that's kind of where I want to start today. And, and when we, we meet Joseph in Genesis 37, he's 17 years old. And he is the youngest of 11 brothers. And the Bible, it clearly states, like clearly states, that Joseph is daddy's favorite, right? Look at this, Genesis 37.3. Now Israel, that's Jacob, uh, he gets, there's a name thing going on. But anyway, uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. So Joseph is daddy's favorite. Who in here is the youngest sibling? Yes, feels good, right? I'm a youngest sibling. And, uh, let's be honest. Like, we're not the favorite, but we're the favorite, right? So we, even recently, okay, my, my brother and my mom and I, we were talking about some stuff, and, and my brother gave his opinion. I gave mine. Mom agreed with me, and I look over at my brother, and he's going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's 53 years old. <laughs> it never stops. Like, it never ends. But, um, except at our house, we love our kids both equally. Um, we have no favorites. I got to say that. Um, now, the Bible doesn't say that Joseph knew he was a favorite, but he kind of had to know that he was a favorite. Um, for example, there was one time when all the brothers were out working the field. They're working with the, the, the cattle, the, the crops, and the animals, and something happens, and Joseph feels the need to go back in to daddy and tattletale. If you're the youngest, you have been a tattletale, right? It's, it's true. You just, you've been a tattletale. But um, so needless to say, Joseph's brothers, 
hate him, right? Like with a seething rage. They hate Joseph so much. And Joseph doesn't do himself any favors. Um, In fact, Joseph tells his brothers about this dream he had, and um, it's it's here in Genesis 37. I just can't imagine that he actually said this to his brothers, but he said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. (laughs) Right? That didn't sit well with the rest of the brothers at all because they hated him. Right? They hated him so much. And so the brothers did what any God-fearing group of brothers would do, they plotted to kill him. They said, we're going to, here's what we're doing. We're going to kidnap him. We're going to kill him. And we're going to throw him in a hole in the ground. Now, they decided, um, one of the brothers stood up and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we shouldn't kill our brother. So what they did is they, um, they did, I guess the next best thing, they, they sold him into slavery. And at that point, Joseph's story doesn't get a whole lot better. Uh, because he sold into slavery, he was then sold to an Egyptian official named Potiphar, and he lives in an okay situation, but then he gets accused of having um, improper relations with Potiphar's wife. So Potiphar gets mad, throws him in prison. So, so to recap, Joseph goes from being the favorite son to being sold into slavery, to being sold to someone else, to being wrongly accused of having improper relations with the boss's wife, to being thrown in prison. And if you're, if you're Joseph, if you're f- watching all this happen, you, there has to be a point where he stopped and he asked, why? God, why is this happening? Why are all these things happening to me? Why am I going through this? And I'm sure many of us have been in the same situation, maybe not exactly like Joseph, I hope, but, but you find yourself going through something or maybe it's a series of things where it's like, you just, why is this going on? You know, your, your car breaks down, your kid comes home, has pink eye, you know, you, you get your car fixed, but then you've driven over a screw in the road. Now you got a slow leak in your tire and it's like, I can't win the lottery, but I can run over this one little tiny screw in the road. Oh, sure, that can happen. And so you go to get it fixed and you get your tire fixed, but on your way to pay for it, you drop your phone. Now you get a crack in your screen and you're like, God, why? Why is this going on? Have you ever had a week like that? It's the worst, right? Joseph had to have that moment where he was like, why is this going on? Why, why are all these things happening? And now the thing is, in the end, everything worked out for Joseph, right? Everything worked out for Joseph. Everything worked out for his brothers. Um, And the fact is that God had this, God had this huge, amazing, amazing plan for Joseph in his life. God had something bigger for Joseph on down the road. God had a plan for Joseph that would show us that we could be redeemed in spite of the terrible choices that we can make. God had this story that, for Joseph that, that taught us lessons of humility and being humble. But in the midst of all this happening, there had to be those moments where, where Joseph didn't understand what was going on because he couldn't see this incredible plan that God had for him on down the road. You know, and if I'm being honest, if you, if you talk to me, this, this 
chubby little kid growing up in rural Howard County that was playing in the dirt, that he would someday be standing on this stage speaking to you. I never would have believed you. But there have been so many moments, so many things that have directed my life to, to be here today. So many moments where I felt hopeless and lonely and angry and sad and have felt like a monumental failure. But there have been times of, of victory, times of answered prayers. All those times have led me to be here. But I couldn't, I couldn't see the plans that God had for me. Same was true with Joseph, the same is true with us. When we're in the middle of all these things, we don't see what God has for us down the road. There's still plans being written for me. There's still plans being written for you. So I want to shift gears real quick, and I want to talk about another story in the Bible that also kind of shows how mysterious God is in another you know, kind of powerful, relatable way, and that's the story of this guy named Gideon. Now, Gideon's uh, story is found in the book of Judges. Uh, the book of Judges is interesting because uh, it's all about God's people, and it's all about how many times uh, that they turn their back on God. And they get in these situations where they're being oppressed, and, and things are going very badly, and they have no, no choice but to turn to God and ask for help. And so what God does is God will raise up one of these people in their, in their group and, and they will lead them out of this situation. So Gideon is one of, those, one of those leaders. Gideon is one of those guys that God raises up. But let me give you a little backstory about Gideon. He was an Israelite, so he's one of God's chosen people. He was from the tribe of Abizarites. And at this point, uh, the Israelites have turned away from God again. And they're being severely oppressed by this other group of people called the Midianites. And what the Midianites would do is this. They would travel around and they would take all the crops. They would take all the resources from whoever was in their path. And they would leave basically nothing behind. And so it got to be so bad that they had no choice but to turn to God, but to cry out to God, help us in this situation. And so what God would do is he would raise up one of his own people, and so that's what he did. But when we first meet Gideon, Gideon is, is literally in, like in a barn hiding. He's in a barn hiding, which is what you look for in an effective leader. When there's a challenge, you want the guy that's hiding in the corner, right? Yeah, that's who we want. We want him. No, you assume that God would call up the dude in the corner doing bicep curls with stones that he dug out of the earth. What's up? Bring him on, man. In fact, Gideon at one point looks at, looks at God and he says, I'm the weakest guy from the weakest tribe. And it's like he's saying, are you sure you know what you're doing? Why are you coming to me? But God sees Gideon in a different way. And, and what God does is God sends this angel down to talk to Gideon. And this, is, this, this blows me away because this is the first thing this angel says to Gideon in Judges 6.12. First thing he says is, when the, Lord appeared, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So again, if you're Gideon, you have to be like, what? I'm literally hiding in a corner in a barn. Sorry, what? Are you talking to the right guy? You understand that I am hiding in a barn so I don't get beaten up by the Midianites. 
But instead, there must have been some frustration with Gideon or something, I don't know. But, but he responds, uh, not by bowing down, not by worshiping, not by asking for forgiveness. No, no. Gideon responds with these words in Judges 6.13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Whoo. That kind of hits close to home, right? That kind of hits close to home. Because the words spoken by Gideon all those years ago, we could easily say those right now. When we look around and we see all these divisions in our world, things like, like racism and fighting and wars and sickness and flat tires, whatever it is, we could just easily ask the question, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? God, why have you abandoned us? You know, why does God continue to allow these bad things to happen? Why does God continue to allow me to go through these bad things? And that kind of leads me to one of my main points that I want to stress upon you today. And that's this. We will never fully understand the mysteries of God. And that's okay. That's okay, right? When you go through these tough times, believe me, I know this is not easy. Believe me, this is for sure something that I, I myself need to work on. But when you go through these tough times, like when you are overwhelmed by the world and all this bad stuff is going on and it piles up and it piles up and you, you find yourself questioning, God, why is this happening? Where are you? Why have you abandoned us? Why are you allowing all this to happen, man? This is when you need to lean into God. This is when you need to lean into God like never before because it's in these moments, it's in these times that God is going to show you his faithfulness in one way or the other. God is going to show you that he is with us, that his hand is working in these moments. Isaiah 55, 9 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Because the truth is, we're never going to fully understand his ways or what his thoughts are, or because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. We'll fully never understand God. And that's Okay. Because so often what we try to do is we try to confine God to this little human-sized box. We, we put him in there and think that that's where he fits, but he doesn't. God is so much bigger than that. God is so much bigger than any box we could ever possibly try to put him in. He's so much bigger than us, and we will never fully understand the mysteries of God, and that's okay. Romans 8.28 says that we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In the, for the good of all things, in those times that we don't know what's going on, in the times we're questioning where God is, in the times that we're, we're happy that God is working, we, God is working in those all the time. I want to put up a picture. This is um, 
This is a picture of my friend Chad. Uh, Chad and I graduated together in 1994. Um, we, were, we were friends in school. We weren't really super close. And, you know, when we graduated, we kind of went our separate ways. And that's natural. Things happen. You know, we were still friendly or whatever. Um, Chad's, actually, Chad's parents and my parents have always been super close. Um, but about a year and a half ago, Chad started experiencing really, really bad headaches. And he went to the doctor, and they ran some tests, couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And so they ran some more tests, and they did a scan, and they found that Chad had a tumor, a cancerous tumor in his brain. And so they did some treatments, they did some, some things, I can't remember exactly what they did for him, and they thought that they got it taken care of. Um, and three months or so after his recovery, he started experiencing headaches again. This time they were worse. And when they did a scan again, they discovered that not only was the tumor back, but it had spread worse than before. And that there was really nothing they could do for him at that point. And unfortunately, um, May of last year, Chad lost his battle with those tumors in his brain. Why did he go through that? I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. Why did that have to happen to him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why God allowed that to happen. Let me, let me share another, another story. Put a picture of my mom. That's me and my mom from a couple years ago. Um, this past summer, my, it, it, my mom developed some issues with her gallbladder. And it was like really affecting how she ate. Because if you know anybody or have you, if you've ever experienced gallbladder issues, every time you eat, it just sours your stomach. And she got to the point where she didn't want to eat and she didn't drink because everything that she consumed just, just made her sick. And um, back in July, I got a call like 6 o'clock in the morning that she had fallen in her kitchen. She had went to the bathroom and when she was coming back, she blacked out and she fell into her kitchen table and she hit her face, broke some ribs and we had to take her to the ER because she was in a pretty bad situation. So in the middle, in the midst of, you know, dealing with this gallbladder because she had just basically was so weak that she passed out because she hadn't been eating. And, you know, through the weeks, we'd figured out that the doctors discovered that she had a tumor on her pancreas. And it is cancerous. And so the doctors developed a chemo treatment plan. She went through one round of chemo, and it nearly killed her. She went into sepsis and, and all this stuff. It was, it was, it was really bad. Um, and now our goal was to get her strong enough so that she could have surgery, which she's now scheduled to have surgery on December 1st. So if you can remember on December 1st, say a prayer for my mom because she's going to get the part of the tumor, sorry, the part of the pancreas that has the tumor taken out, her gallbladder and her spleen. That's all coming out. So she has a big day on December 1st. Now, the, the praise in all this is that if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, typically when it's discovered, it's far too late. But we discovered my mom is when it was stage one, which is good. That, that's a huge praise. 
But again, I, I don't know. I don't know why she's dealing with this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why that we're going through this. You know, I don't know why the, the, the Chad and my mom both had to deal with cancer. I don't know why Chad had to go at such a young age. I don't know what plans that God has for both of them. You know, earlier I talked about this verse in Romans that says this, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the Lord's thought. I don't know why my mom has cancer. I don't know why our family has to witness this awful thing that she's going through. And I know so many of you have watched this happen. It is not fun. But here's the thing. I'm going to trust... I'm going to trust whatever plans God has. I'm going to trust whatever plans God has because I know whatever plans God has, I know they are good. I'm going to trust that whatever happens, that God is going to show his faithfulness in these moments. I'm going to trust that in the end, God is going to be glorified in something that hurts now, but in the end, God's going to be glorified. I'm going to trust in what God has in store for us. Because here's the other thing. It is not our job to know everything about, our, to know everything about God. It's our job to grow close to him. Okay, going back to the story of Gideon, God knew how Gideon's mind worked and that he knew that he would have to remove all these crutches that Gideon had put up until Gideon had no choice but to have complete faith and what God had in store. Because in the end, God would raise up Gideon to be this incredible leader, this incredible warrior. But to get him there, Gideon had to finally trust in the plan that God had. Okay, there was this point where God instructed Gideon to to gather men to go into battle. So Gideon got 32,000 guys. And God gave him instructions to scale it back. And then scale it back again. And then scale it back. In the end, he had 300 guys to go into battle with. Gideon had no choice but to have complete faith and trust in what God was doing. Sometimes that's where we are. We question what God is doing. We question why God is doing this. Things can feel like they're falling apart. Right? The Lord is with us, then why is this happening? The Lord is with us, why is this going on? Why does it feel like God has abandoned us? I'm telling you today, man, that's when you lean into the goodness of God. We live in this incredibly broken world that's full of uncertainty, it's full of confusion, it's full of hatred, it's full of division, and maybe maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're angry, maybe you're confused. Maybe you're full of uncertainty yourself and, and you don't know why these things are happening. But we have a God that loves us. We have a God that wants us to live abundantly through him. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you need to make that decision to give in to the mystery of God, to trust in the plan that he has for you. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. Maybe you're at a point where you're tired of being tired. You're tired of being confused. You're tired of being Maybe today is that day you give in to the mystery of God. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
for being a mystery to us. Thank you for being bigger than us. Thank you for being bigger than anything we have on this earth. Thank you for being bigger than bad times. Thank you for being bigger than our confusion and our anger and our hatred. God, thank you for being bigger than that. Thank you for being bigger than cancer. God, we know that you are with us. God, we know that in those times that when we are struggling to know what's going on, God, I pray that our hearts be open and we understand that you are with us, that your hand is working in those times when we don't see it. Because there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger path, there's a bigger end that you have for us. And God, we give thanks, we give glory that you will be glorified in those moments no matter how hard they are. God, we thank you for the love you have for us. We thank you for the grace that you have for us. And God, I pray for those people today that that maybe want to just give in to the mystery of who you are. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray.